You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. So, do, 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 do. how about now? So I can that- no, that actually. Can you still hear me? Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Uh huh. Okay. Yes. All right. I think. <laughs> Starting out the season with a bit of an audio orgasm. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Yes. All right. I think <laughs> you'll hear more from them a little bit later. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to season four, episode 101 of Fair of the Free Child podcast. If you've been here for a minute, wow, my friend, hey, love, good to be back with you. <laughs> if this is your first time listening to Fair of the Free Child, welcome. We talk about liberation work through the lens of unschooling, which is a philosophy around being in relationship with children in ways that do not center school or studenthood, but instead focuses on raising socially just, happy, conscious people, including our own selves. So we center Black folks as well as Indigenous folks and people of color. We believe in or we are deeply exploring self-directed education in this space, both in our homes and our larger communities. We cuss a lot out here in Fair to Free Child Nation, and um, you're welcome to stay here as long as it feels good or useful for you. (laughs) I am Akila S. Richards, an unschooling mama and organizer. I write a lot about this stuff. I get together and workshop ideas and talk through tough shit with people who believe in raising free people. And if you're digging this beat, Richie Flex, I'm going to put the link to his Instagram on the show notes page. He gifted us this dope beat. My cousin Ryan, a.k.a. Richie Flex. Thank you, cuz. Backstory for season four. Originally, this season wasn't going to start until late March, early April. I was pretty sure about that, and um, I even put a video out to my patrons. Shout out to my patrons, patreon.com forward slash Akila, y'all. I even sent a video out to my patrons on maybe the 6th of January saying that I was going to put the episode out in March or April. But In the short time since I put out that video (laughs) to another download that I got more recently, I realized that I needed to keep things simple and spacious. Those are my guide words for this part of the journey, for this year, whatever. Simple and spacious. And what's allowing for more simplicity and more spaciousness right now for me is my connection to other people who feel a sense of relief you know, to have heard the stories and felt the shift through these last 100 plus episodes of the podcast. So I needed to shift my focus from, you know, this perfect idea of what season four, episode one would sound like versus what needed to happen and be shared. And the fact that I could do that sooner, you know, I've been very much in like circle up mode in various ways over the past six months. 
as in sitting in circles with people deep in their own de-schooling and liberation walks. So organizers, loud, insistent people like me, (laughs) and quiet, diligent people also doing the work behind the scenes, you know, but all of them, however they're coming at it, they're sharing a goal that's similar to mine. It's about a commitment to raising free people through community-centered actions. And of course, that community includes people in their own homes. So over the past six months, I've been in uh, San Jose, Long Beach, Inglewood, LA proper, Phoenix, Johannesburg, Soweto, Manhattan, Lusaka. (laughs) I've spent time in all of those cities in just the past six months. And in all of those spaces, I've been observing and living and discussing and workshopping and boohooing and laughing (laughs) and loving around this work. So I decided to start the season sooner because I don't need to present a perfect episode. It's time. I need to share what's been showing up in these communities that I've been getting to break bread with. The people who look like me and mine and who are learning to embrace and celebrate themselves and their children outside of the gazes of dominant culture. I've met fathers and mothers, aunties, granduncles, everybody. (laughs) People who are just showing up as social justice-minded people who realize the opportunity to change the world, to do better, to relate more authentically and less oppressively by deciding to raise free people and to embrace their own freedom. And I'm ready to share that shit. I can't wait till March, April. (laughs) So I'm ready for more of us to have proof I guess. Yeah. I'm ready for more of us to have proof that we're not alone in deciding that we want to nurture different relationships in the world than the ones that we survived or saw. I'm ready for more of us to know the names of cities and specific people who believe what we believe about the connection between social justice and adult child dynamics. You know, people who you can reach out to for reminders and resources to strengthen your intuitive shift away from the bullshit and over to the freedom of designing a life that makes sense for what you believe and what you want to contribute to in the world. And it's so necessary because organizing around something so deeply unpopular (laughs) and living that work as a mother, as a partner, all of that, that shit can really wear on you. It's rewarding, of course, but it also wears on you. So Relationships are key, healthy ones, ones with give and gain. And I've been getting a lot out of this work, of course, after so much time of feeling alone, you know, and I feel like that's something we need to remember, that we won't always be alone in doing these unpopular things, making decisions about how we live our lives and raise our children, decisions that most people won't get. We need to remember that some people will get it and that they will support us and we will find support and that there are resources out there for doing this work sustainably in terms of emotional support and logistical clarity. So in the spirit of collaborative goodness, of self-determination and liberation through togethering ourselves (laughs) and building out work and worlds together in the spirit of all of that, I'm doing this first episode with someone who has been a beautiful beam of support for me to lean on as I've been dealing with the rewards and the weight of doing this type of work that I'm constantly pouring into and doing myself. She and I have been 
deliberate about being available for each other as Black women raising our children through the principles of unschooling, as Black women organizing in our communities to support other families who choose to live outside of that conventional mindset, and as people who are endeavoring to sustain ourselves financially and to thrive in all of the ways that we live this work while we walk these words. So if you've listened to um, past episodes, including the second to last episode of last season, then you are already familiar with our guest today, Malika Diggs out of Philly, the founder of Eclectic Learning Network, Philly Stand Up. (laughs) Malika is with us today. She's going to be rocking with us, chatting about some of the personal aspects of the work and also talking a little bit about um, the vision that she has going forward for raising free people and how that looks for her and some of the ideas we have around sharing the work together. So listen in and enjoy. (laughs) Oh man, I'm so happy to be here with you kicking off 2019. It's the perfect way to set things off. So I'm thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. The last time that we spoke to you, we were talking about the conference that you do in Philly pivoting around that and some shifts. Can we talk about Malika, the person, you know, inside of all of this work shifting a little bit? (laughs) So much shifting, so much shifting. Unfortunately and fortunately, the conference had to be canceled. And when I tell you it was gut-wrenching, unbelievably gut-wrenching. There were moments when I really felt like a failure. I was really isolating that experience as my totality. And I had to take a moment. And if not for that moment, I don't know if I would be able to share what that pivot looks like now, because that fall allowed me to look at ELN in a way that I didn't really allow myself to look at it before, um, because everything was kind of going, quote unquote, smoothly. So I didn't feel the need to kind of repolish the wheel that I had already established. So I kind of, you know, from the embers of all what true fire, what I was experiencing, um, I really started to kind of look at the brand and the identity of ELN and realize that I was pushing something that didn't need to be pushed. And looking at ELN now, it really is an extension of who I am. And I want to be able to extend that to families who would be able to feel that in some type of way. And the best thing that I could come up with was supporting families who experience othering in conventional spaces. And that's something that our family personally feels. And I know that there are other families out there who feel isolated, even in large groups, because of a numerous amount of things, the the idea that their family is blended or their structure of their family is rooted in a way that isn't necessarily acceptable to standard. And whether it be because of their dynamic or whether it be because of the color of their skin or maybe their profession, whatever it is that they choose to do, I want families to know that they're not going to be othered here. Othered is completely accepted and welcomed. And I want to be able to extend that, especially supporting my black and brown families and other families as well who can walk in that walk even though they may not be black or brown, but they know that the work is centered around me and my family and others who look like me and their perspectives and viewpoints are also welcomed. But censoring all of that really was something that I, 
I wanted, but I wasn't sure that I was really doing that in the way that works for me. So I'm not feeling like I'm beating up dead horse, so to speak. It's just smooth. It's more organic now. And it's coming from a place of quality and not quantity and a place of true authenticity where eh, it was, but I don't know that I, I didn't feel good with how it was being portrayed. So now I feel really good and empowered and inspired in a way that I hadn't before. And with that quality actually grew quantity. So previous years, my membership fluctuated. And now I'm at the space where I have 13 families and 40 members, 40 individual members. And when I say that each family totally represents everything that I was kind of in the embers about and kind of raised from, um, it's really beautiful. And I love that the families totally are doing their own thing. And each family is willing to walk these words, if you will, (laughs) with their stuff, you know, and walk it in a way where they are questioning educational systems that are placed in the, in the majority. Um, They are questioning those systems. They are questioning what education looks like, what learning looks like. Maybe they're not synonymous. Um, They're questioning when, where, and how learning happens and we're doing it together. So I'm really excited. We have our first members meeting coming up next week. So yeah, man, I'm totally excited and really happy overall with what the shift of the conference did and where it's kind of taken 2019 now. And it's been so beautiful to watch too, because having the benefit of being able to chat with you through it and having seen the shift, you know, it's, I know this sort of thing is so important and I'm so glad that you were willing to have this conversation because when we endeavor to do something about the things that we see happening or not happening around us, we Mm -hmm. have these ideas around like how it should go. And we take a lot of the schoolish ideas with us. So we take a lot of our personal trauma, of course, with us. Listen, so to have you here be an example for us of the evolution of a person doing deep work and authenticity, even shifting like what felt authentic when you started ELN, because it's not that it was inauthentic. It became something that needs to be different and you needed the space or a fire to recognize it, right? And in the recognition of that, now you're growing for yourself as a woman doing the work and then also finding other people that you can serve really specifically, not in the broad general way that everybody else can do. And more of us need to remember that, like whatever is pushing you forward, remember that there's a specificity in you doing it that will grow you, that will pivot how it needs to. You're going to fall a little bit, but don't be afraid to go through it because in all of it, there's so much space to grow yourself and your community. And I think you're such a beautiful example of that happening, you and ELN. Oh, thank you. It's been a hell of a ride. It's a ride that I will continue to take and happy to take every single time. Because if it's about my growth, then I know it's, it's real. It's not just this external idea or this idea of an image of what something should look like, because that for me is the biggest conflict is not the issue, not the thing itself, but the conflict within yourself that keeps you from moving forward or engaging the work in a way because there's conflict of some kind, but being willing to kind of shed that out has been beautiful. So worth it. 
we get so much yeah. from the work, but then there's also such a pull. And if we are not careful, we can inside community isolate ourselves. <laughs> you know, like get so caught up in the work and the world in ways that feel beautiful and rewarding that we don't mm. remember or recognize even. Because for me, it's not so much yeah. remembrance. We won't recognize what self-care needs to look like as we grow our businesses, as we grow our connections and yeah. all of that. So uh, when yeah. we started talking and I recognized that this was going to be more than, oh yeah, I'm going to highlight ELA right quick. When I realized <laughs> it was going to be more than that, I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Because it can feel the weight of it all and not being sure and clear or when you transition to another type of space and you're no longer mm-hmm. showing up in the, the same way and there are losses that come with that, you know, having people around who are doing that same type of work, yes. it can be like, like you need it. It's not a thing that it's nice to have. Like you fucking need that shit to sustain you. So yeah. let's chat a little yeah. bit Malika about why we need each other and why that needs to be a part of the work as well the adage of it takes a village, you know, it's something that it comes up so frequently. And I think sometimes it's, it's kind of used as a catchphrase and not really embraced for what it is and really defining what village is. And in this work, you, you want so much for people to come together that at times I feel like you can miss your own village when that happens. It just kind of breezes by for those opportunities. And you know, there, there's connection and then there's deep connection. There's something from a, a nation building kind of perspective that yes. is so needed. And we're still coming back to it's not about the numbers. It really is this opportunity to really engage the work and share with someone who knows the beat that you're walking, who can understand the rhythms of how you're flowing and can speak to it and support you, not from a place of like, I'm all about walking with someone. I don't necessarily want to stand on the shoulders of someone and push them down while I'm raising up. I want us to be able to walk and be in harmony together Mm -hmm. and having an opportunity to connect with someone like you where we can have those raw conversations and we can uplift each other and meet each other where we are in our individual spaces and have the opportunity to take that to another level where it becomes a collective effort. For me, that has been so, so important. And in this work, I find a lot of times that you tend to forget about your own family. It is highly, highly a thing for me. I I think about some people that I know who are close to me who are teachers. And you have to be able to step back and say, we're all in this together. Just because I'm doing the work does not mean that the work is benefiting all who are definitely around me, especially if I'm not communicating. I'm just, it's, oh, it's just kind of this thing that's happening. So if I know, you must know. It doesn't work that way. And it calls for so much communication, so much vulnerability, that it's lovely to be able to just kind of stop for a moment, take that real pause and look at yourself and see what your actions, see how your actions are being perceived with your family, and then be able to extend that to your village, what's really happening when I'm in this movement, this is what's happening for me. Yeah. Not necessarily like, is it okay or not, but this is what's happening. Cause I don't want to be in conflict with that. So 
us being able to come together and have these moments has been such, such a relief, like truly a relief to say, damn, I don't have to do this alone. And I think anytime, especially as women, we take on so much because either we've been raised to believe that we, we have to do it all and asking for help or even extending moments where you feel like you're not as strong as you would like to be is deemed as a weakness. And that's so not the case. I think the strength is being able to be vulnerable, to state what your, what your flaws are outright, just not giving a fuck about what anybody else is going to think, but really stating where you are. I really appreciate you saying that, especially that aspect of how the work affects your family. I think of, was it Dick Gregory? I might be mistaken, um, but there's a particular Black activist that I remember when I was, maybe it wasn't him, but I know also with Alice Walker, there was some mm-hmm. distance between she, between her and her daughter, right? And you have all these mm-hmm. other people who have contributed so much to the world at levels that will go beyond them for generations upon generations, but in their own home, with their own person, mm-hmm. Nina Simone, you know, all these people yeah. that I think about their relationships with their children were deeply troubled and not that the relationship should have been or needed to be perfect, but the ways that they right. were pouring into their work, this work mm-hmm. that is like saving folks every day could also yes. be killing other relationships. So it's like being able to think about why I do this work. One of the reasons, one of the main reasons Chris and I got started in this space with our children is so that we could be there for them and know them as they were growing, not through the eyes of somebody else, not later, not in therapy when they're 35, right now, right? So, So if I made the time to do it because I'm not working a regular job every day, but I lose the mental bandwidth to do it, what is the point? The type of conversations that you and I have are the sort of things that remind me of that so that, like, I don't want to do the shit in hindsight. I want to be present. Right. Then it's going to be a lot of hindsight going on too. But as much as yeah, possible, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to recognize right then and be like, actually, I'm not going to edit today. Actually, I'm not going to record today. I'm going to like be all up under my daughters while they're drawing and dancing and watching mm-hmm. videos and doing this and whatever, because that is the work as well. Yes. Doing the work, being the work and living the work, you know, and sometimes they're all not happening at the same time. Right. Especially if we're not giving ourselves the permission to do it. And the idea that I'm doing this work and kind of living through the lens that because I am, my daughters are, that for me, isn't going to be enough. Almost like I'm pedestalizing myself to say, well, I'm good. So no. And (laughs) if we're going to do work, you know, we have to do it together. And I have to be able to say, I am also a student. I'm here for the learning too. And I want to be called to the carpet at any moment. And if my children are doing that, and they do, which <laughs> I love, I'm here for it because they're my reflections. When I've stepped up and when I've stepped down, they will always let me know. Episode 102, Zakia Ismail, who does the wow. schooling yes. conference here, 
and we are going to be talking too about being called out by our kids because the topic is raising people, raising aware people. Hold on now. Yeah. yeah. It comes with a lot of pie. It, it comes does. with a lot of pie. Um, yes. yes. And for and women like I, us who are like, right. wait, wait, you know, right. this shit could okay. feel like me and you at three o'clock because I see you got something to say. So, okay. It's cool. I got you. Thank you. So for those of us who were steeped in that particular setting, it is really challenging and also really important for us to recognize, okay, it might take you a little bit more before you come down off the foolishness you on to recognize that your child is right or you don't agree with them, but what you're not about to do is hurl your feelings or body at them in response to that. And this feels like a good segue towards walk these words because we just finished this 11-day parenting, mindful parenting challenge. Malika and Eclectic Learning Network were so kind to offer spaces for folks. It was $11, 11 prompts, 11 days. And four people in total were able mm-hmm. to participate as a result of ELN. So thank you so much for that. That's just one yeah. of the many collabs that we'll be doing. It was great. And one of, the, one of the energies that came from a lot of the prompts was around this very thing the ways that our children push back and our feelings around pushback and the shifting that we're doing as we walk these words and the words are raising free people. As we walk that talk, we can recognize the ways that we've been looking at pushback as something that we need to retaliate against as opposed to Mm. something that is actually a powerful growth tool for our children and for us. And that's what I think you're speaking to right now. Definitely. The idea that, you know, I'm coming from a place of speak when spoken to. Mm -hmm. I'm coming from a land of don't disrespect your elders. And is that really disrespect? (laughs) The idea of being called out. If a whole grown adult can do that to me, then why not? And so many times there have been the phrase of, oh, that's something that children do. That's kid behavior. And it does create a wall for me that says, a person over a certain age has to conduct themselves in a certain way. Why is there that separation? Is it really childish to be able to say certain things and depending on what age you are defines the severity of those consequences? No, like it's, <laughs> it's people behavior. And <laughs> it's behavior of people, um, just being a human being and Being in a place to hear my daughters call me out was not easy to hear. You know, that my first time, like, who the fuck? No. You know, it's like, uh, no. Every every bit of Caribbean in my bones that cannot be be recorded. Um, But, you know, there's something about it where I, you know, that hindsight, that kind of sitting there like, oh, man. I, did I react because of what they said or did I react because they were right? Yes. That idea that someone so new to the world without all these quote unquote experiences, my resume of life in all these couple of decades I've been walking around, how could it be that this young person has just arrived comparatively and can just drop this knowledge on me? <laughs> how? It's like, well, no, I'm part of that. I've instilled this foundation that says, here's a bag of awareness or awarenesses that I was not provided. So it's like, well, is it jealousy? 
<laughs> like, I'm not really, what's more about that? So instead of going against the grain of the idea that I am creating space for my daughters to be able to speak in a way where they have agency in their voice and they can call out to say in question, is that okay? Would this X, Y, and Z, if not this, then that, why not celebrate the fact that they can stand up? Because if they can, if they can stand up to good old mom, then they're going to be standing up to everybody else. I don't want to clip their wings when it's time for them to fly further than they're currently flying, right? Because it's not, for me, it's not about holding them and then letting them go. Like this chrysalis stage of growth is still happening. They're flying now. So when they are ready to fly further, they will have more information. They will feel more secure because that has been fostered in them. That has been built into their to their psyche that they don't have to tolerate, that they can question and ask. And that's okay. It may not, it may not result in what they want, but whomever is on the hearing side of their voice is going to know their perspective. And it isn't, it isn't a blind focus on their needs or their assertions either, because just like we deal with them, they deal with us. And so they know our personalities. They know how we tend yes. to react. They, all of those things are a factor. We're not taking any of that away from it. We are still fucking parenting. We are still partnering. Yeah. But in yes. all of that, we're recognizing that that third P outside of parenting, outside of partnership, there's also power. What we're doing is yes. we're acknowledging the power dynamic and not using the power in place of parenting, which is really what we're used to. I have the power to shut your shit down. Yes. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm calling that parenting. Right. Right. <laughs> Them yes. two ain't yeah. the same. Them two ain't the no. same. Not at all. Not yes. <laughs> not a rod. Not one rod. <laughs> it's not the same. No. I have the power to shut your shit down. So I'm going to do that. And then I'm calling that parent. Right. Right. <laughs> Them yes. two ain't yeah. the same. Them two ain't the no. same. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> One of the main things that I'm super excited about, we are working on some signature workshops. Um, some of them will be teasing at like Arrow. Arrow is doing um, a virtual conference in February and Malika and I are going to do something there together. We're working on some things that we might be launching in the summer. All this work around this very same thing we're talking about in terms of parenting rooted in partnership and power, but from a space that doesn't detract from the power of an adult or a child. We want to really lean in on what that looks like from a few different specific spaces, right? Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a necessary conversation. I find that it's an area where people tend to separate parenting and learning. And for me, if we're talking about raising free people, if we're talking about liberation, you are included in that equation. There is no way to separate the idea that, oh, well, what I want for my children, that that's a twofold or maybe even a threefold. Even a quarter has a third side, you know, like it's, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what you want for your children. My first prompt with that is, is that what they want for themselves? My second prompt is, are you including yourself in that? What you want for your children? What do you want for yourself? 
what are you willing to do in partnership with your children or and and or all who involved to make that happen? What are you willing to examine, forego, whatever it is? There were so many things that I personally had to let go of, you know, that power. Power is parenting. Mm-hmm. Like, nah. And this is exactly what we'll be creating the sort of space for people to do, because we're not teaching it. You don't teach this shit. You live it. No, sort no. through it. You examine it. You witness it. You have experiences with it. But <laughs> there are yeah. tools, right? There are practices that help you to bring this stuff more to the center. That helps mm-hmm. you to work with hindsight energy a little bit more powerfully so that there's less of the hindsight moments and more of the in the moment or before the moment moments. So we are really committed to personal, collective responsibility for holding space for people who want to be in right relationship with young people and themselves to just feel through some tools and practices and language and connections around that. So absolutely stay tuned. If you're not connected to Eclectic Learning Network, you you can connect with me through Instagram, through the website, eclecticlearningnetwork.com. Or you can reach out to me directly, info at Eclectic Learning Network. Malika, I am so grateful for your presence. You already know this, my sis. I'm excited for what yes. you're doing this year for Philly. I'm going to see you this year for sure. Yes, for the first time. <laughs> yes, we are hugging yes. this year. Um, yes. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, I just appreciate your presence inside of this work because I feel very much like a beneficiary of your energy and your love and your commitment. And so I'm happy to be able to share and spread that. And we'll be talking more for sure. Yeah, those, 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 those sentiments are definitely boomerangs. I'm so glad that and honored that our lives have kind of intersected at this point and we can take this to levels and then spread it. And hopefully, you know, for folks listening, they're not alone either. You know, they, there are other people out there doing this work in all sorts of ways. And that's all we can really do is, is put it out there and see, see what happens. <laughs> With another Richie Flex beat in the background. Yeah, shout out to Richie Flex. So Malika will be a panelist at the second Liberation and Education Summit in Clarkston, Georgia, right outside Atlanta, next month, February 2nd. This summit is hosted by Heartwood Agile Learning Center. Here is a bit more about the summit directly from Julia and Anthony, who are the co-directors and co-founders of Heartwood Agile Learning Center. What's the Liberation and Education Summit? The summit is a conference to talk about the intersection of social justice and self-directed education. Last year was the first year of the summit, and we focused on social justice as a, as a broad topic. And what we found through that experience that was that we needed more time and more space to go into issues specifically. And so this year, we chose racial equity so that we can dive deeper into that topic specifically. Uh, so often we talk about race and class within the paradigm of traditional or public school education, but not 
often is it spoken of in regards to private schools and then specifically schools that are interested in practicing SDE. So we're going to take a look at the components and elements that come up for the populations who deal with that. What's the day look like? There'll be a facilitated conversation with a group of women of color about their stories and their journeys, their experiences, and it will be a listening experience for everyone else in the audience. So we're setting it up sort of like a fishbowl. So instead of it being a sage on the stage or a, a speaker giving a speech or a panel uh, answering questions, we just want it to be a conversation and we all have the privilege in the audience to witness that conversation. We'll split up into small groups afterwards and deconstruct what we heard and what our own individual experiences are and make space for what comes out of that. Why does Heartwood host this summit? Because it needs to be done and not in not doing it, you in some way are complicit by not doing it. There's a threat or potential of perpetuating those issues. And I think we also want to be able to create community around prioritizing social justice within the realm of self-directed education. And to get more voices and brains in the conversation because there's the power of creating better and more ideas for a collective solution. And so I think we want to bring community together around a wider experience of self-directed education and we want to create connections between people so that those who are focused on social justice and self-directed education know they're not alone. I had the pleasure of participating in the first Liberation and Education Summit last year with four people, many people, but in terms of the panelists for the chat, all of the people had been on this podcast before, all of us. <laughs> and this year's summit also features three Fair of the Free Child community members, Malika Diggs, along with Patty and Tamika, who have both been on this podcast. Tamika's episode was episode number one, and I think it's right now either the second or first most downloaded episode of the entire podcast like, whoa. And Patty's episode was wonderful. She is over at the Sudbury School of Atlanta. Got a chance to kick it with Patty. Speaking of the most downloaded episodes, I just put on Patreon the top 10 most downloaded episodes of all seasons. And I made that one public. So whether you're a patron or not, you can access that list. So you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Akila to check out that list and make sure that you've listened to all of the ones. Malika is also on Patreon. I gladly support her there and you can too. Patreon.com forward slash Eclectic Learning Network. All right. What you want to do is catch Malika and Patty and Tamika and Anthony and Julia, all them folks, live and in person on February 2nd. The link to the Liberation and Education Summit is on today's show notes page, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 101. Got plenty more about the summit, including ways for you to support by donating to the summit, even if you can't attend in person. All right. So be sure to head over to the show notes page to get more details about the summit happening February 2nd in Clarkston, right outside Atlanta from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. I love you for listening. 
I will be back next week with Zakia Ismail. She's based right here in Johannesburg, where I'm recording from right now. She is an unschooling organizer and author, and she is the homie. She's also been on the podcast. We're going to be talking about a thing that Zakia likes to call raising free people, raising aware people. Let me tell you, good stuff. So much love. Talk to you next week. Peace.